This is a new dimension in sound. You're listening to TalkZone.com, Internet Talk Radio. TalkZone.com. Welcome back. Thank you very much for staying with us. We're talking today with Rick Phillips and John Linney. Both these folks are Safe School Ambassadors. And you folks have a book, don't you? Yeah, we wrote a book after working with hundreds of schools because we, you know, we recognized that we had learned a great deal about what works. And we wanted to provide that to schools, school districts, to parents, to superintendents, to school boards. The book is called Safe School Ambassadors, surprisingly enough. <laughs> Where'd you pick that from? <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's, it's subtitle is, is harnessing, harnessing student power to stop bullying and violence. And I, I think what John was saying before the break about the five types of mistreatment is that what we're really doing is we're helping young people gain awareness. See, you can't stop what you can't see. And once we give kids this common vocabulary, this language, those five types of mistreatment, and then we take it to the next level, we not only give them the awareness, but we teach them five or six things they can say or do that are inside that book, Safe School Ambassadors. Um, kids then gain the competence to go with their courage that they already have because these were leader kids to begin with, but now they have competence and confidence that they could say or do something effective. It is their nature as leaders to want to intervene, to stand up for their friends, to keep things cool. So we're really taking bystanders and making them peacemakers through this process. And we really challenge every listener out there, if you're a parent, if you're if you're concerned about children, whether you're a parent or not, in your school community, yeah. get the principal, get the school board to at least inquire. Go to the website, safeschoolambassadors.org. Get the book. It's a great compendium of ideas and strategies for helping our young people find their voice and stop the hurting that is going on in far too many kids' lives. So let's get a, a few of these little practical ideas on, like, your five... Um five types like exclusion what would you suggest if somebody is is excluding others or uh, being excluded how would you help uh, student peers deal with that see it and deal with it you know there's a couple of different ways and i think that um as we as we go through the training and we help students understand what to do they, they pick what's most comfortable for them yeah one thing one thing might, might be something we call supporting which is a, a very undervalued yet really um, powerful skill. And so someone who, if, if I see someone getting left out, for example, a kid walks up to a, a lunch table and, and he gets left out of that group or people kind of say someone's sitting there and there really isn't, and that kid gets left out, I'm then able to, like, support Whoa. Did we I'm lose somebody? I'm, I'm here. I'm able to help them. That was a spaceship landing. <laughs> <laughs> E.T. phone home. <laughs> I'm in Texas, not Roswell. <laughs> oh, that's my geography for you. <laughs> so, okay, so it could be something where that student gets supported, where they that student could be invited over and say, hey, Eddie, you know, come and sit with us over here. But, that young person starts to feel included. Um, if I see my friends do something like that, I might just say something to them and say, hey, you know, how would you feel if someone left you out of something like that? Come on, that's, that's just not cool. You wouldn't like that. Yeah. So there's little, little things they can say in their own language that when they say it, they feel safe, but they're also effective. And they're kind of like cool. They're kind of in their own language when they say it. So we help them to do that. So supporting is one of those skills. 
Nice. Okay, put-downs would be maybe the same thing? Well, sometimes when somebody uses language to make somebody feel demeaned, you know, mean-spirited language, right. making fun of them, oftentimes the skill of balancing. Balancing is when we teach a kid to kind of balance a put-down with what we might call a put-up. So that if somebody said something, well, we're standing around, and somebody said something about John, like, oh, that John, look at him, man, he's such a loser. And I might say, rather than confront that as a balancing skill, I might say, you know, John's in soccer with me, and he's one of the best players on our team. He's also really supportive of everybody else when they're still learning their skills. So I'm just shifting the focus from the put-down to something complimentary nice. about somebody else. Very yeah. nice. Okay, when uh, when bullying's going on and bullying is making the other person feel afraid, what would you suggest? Well, I think in those cases that's where uh, you know, supporting could come in handy for the student who's the target. However, if my friend threatens somebody else and says, you better watch, I'm going to get you after school, what I could tell my friend might be something which we call reasoning, which is really getting someone to think about, you know, the consequences. You know, what could happen if they do that? Or, or maybe some other choices. But I might say something like, you know, hey, you know, hey Rick, if you go after him after school, you know, your, your parents are going to find out. You get busted. You won't be able to go out with us on Friday. Yeah, it's not yeah. worth it, man. You know, just don't worry about it. Blow it off. So that's what we would call reasoning a situation like that. Yeah. Like, and we have found that, uh, we have found that, uh, Charmaine Char Amber and, and, and Keith, really a helpful skill that oftentimes, you know, kids have short fuses and somebody bumps shoulders in the hallway and immediately somebody wants to turn that into a confrontation. Right. And if we can say, if one of our friends can say the reasoning skill, which sounds like this, hey, think about it. If you get in a fight, you're going to get kicked off the team or you won't be able to go to the dance Friday night, man. Let it go. Come on. Let's get out of here. Yeah. And, and sometimes a kid just considers like, you know what? I don't want to get kicked off the basketball team. It isn't worth it, and I'll just walk away. Yeah. And so we're, we're just giving kids what we might call tools, yeah. a handful of tools on their tool belt, and they can pick the appropriate tool for the right kind of mistreatment. Like, you know, what if... What we find in those situations, too, is that young people that are the aggressors are often saying or doing something to save face and, and to, like, protect their pride. And what these ambassadors are doing is kind of giving these people a way out when they may not normally have another path. Yeah. They're giving them an opportunity to escape from a situation and say, okay, yeah, because you said this, all right. You know, yeah. so it gives them a path out of what they would be doing. Yeah, try to, try to blow it off like, you know, um, uh, we don't we don't need to deal with this person, you know, they don't really matter. You know, wh I mean, whatever it takes to, to get them off of it kind mm -hmm. of thing. Um, how about unwanted physical contact, you know, where the boundaries are violated? Well, we find in a lot of schools, you know, in, that young people are telling us there's a lot of issues where there's a lot of sexual harassment going on between yes. students. And whether this be an urban school or a rural school of 200, this, this is a big problem. And um, when young people see something like that happen, it can happen in a crowded hallway when no one knows what's going on. Right. Or someone, someone might be dared to go do that. Now, let's yeah. say I'm hanging out with a bunch of guys, and some guy in our group does that. And, you know, and I might tell him, you know, hey, Kevin, if, how would you feel if someone did that to your mom or your sister? That's gross, man. Come on, we just don't do that around here. Right on. That would be, that would be something we call directing, which is really trying to stop that behavior that they're engaging in. And so they just rethink about it. It's a little bit, little bit riskier, but yet we give them a way that they can say it that sounds like it's going to land, get past the barrier. Like redirecting. Yes, that's right. That's okay. right. Okay. We have... Just like, you know, 
We all do that. And they don't use their, you know, we as parents or as teachers can use our positional power. The ambassadors are using their relational power. Yes, yes. We have with us today Rick Phillips and John Linney. They are Safe School Ambassadors. You're listening to Mastering Ourselves with Charmé and Keith Amber, your spiritual lifestyle experts with sound answers to life's tough questions. Thank you very much for joining us today. Well, then you have the last one on your list, Acts Against Everyone. And, you know, that sounds like, I, I mean, there's some of that in all five of these, but it sounds like some people that have just a real axe to grind. Well, yeah, these are these are um, these are run the gamut in schools between you know drug dealing or, or vandalism or, or maybe somebody's um, there's a lot of stealing or weapons on campus. We find that many adults are surprised in the training how many students see weapons on their campus. And yeah, like Rick referred to earlier, it was this code of silence that exists between students that in many of the school shootings they found that students knew about it before it happened but said nothing. And so we've got to give equip them with. Not just the skills, but also the relationships. Just increase the relationships between adults and students. While young people are feeling empowered as part of their school climate, they've also got to have those connections to adults on their campus so that if they learn about something that's happening, there's at least one adult they can go to. Yeah. And they can go get help in those situations. You know, some, there's a lot of problems with no snitching, don't tattletale, but what that does is that, that actually increases the likelihood of these school shootings or these tragic sure. events. Do you, do, you, do you find there's more uh, children bringing weapons just to protect themselves or bring them to threaten others? Which is more? Do you have any idea? It's, I, we, go ahead, John. We find, I mean, I, I think it comes back to it's really cyclical. You know, when we talk to students, they talk about one of the consequences of this stuff that goes on at school is, you know, someone gets hurt. And we talk about this more in the Safe School Ambassadors book is when a student feels pain, that kind of escalates up to anger until the point where they want to get revenge. Yes. And, it, and, it, and it's when they get to that point of revenge that these things happen, either to somebody else or they might take it out on themselves through committing suicide or cutting or eating disorders, or they might go and break stuff and vandalize the school. Yep. So this stuff, um, if it doesn't stop at the pain, if we if students can't intervene, right. tear it off and escalate. Yes. So we're, and, and there are children that are bringing more weapons to school in, in, in a way of self-protecting because what they've come to recognize is that adults often are not aware or able to intervene, that this stuff happens below the radar of the adults. Yes. So kids feel kind of like, i got to take care of myself. And that's just, that just, you know, it's dangerous when kids start bringing a, a small knife, a crowbar, uh, something, something that they just want to have as a sense of protection. Right. So I don't remember this cutting stuff. 30 years ago, when did this stuff start coming in? Well, self, you know, so we might refer to it as self-mutilation has been, unfortunately, a distinct behavior unto itself for over the last 20 years that psychologists and medical people have found that kids who are either anxious, depressed, often scared, don't feel uh, um, competent in their social environments to distract that feeling will distract it by hurting themselves and hurting themselves by, by cutting onto themselves. And it's wow. a very, very sad and, and, and challenging and difficult situation. Wow. And, and is it true that kids are doing this um, hanging themselves stuff? 
If you're referring to sort of the thrill or the rush of cutting off oxygen to yeah. sort of play this risky game, see, I think what we're experiencing is that the adult world, the media, our television programs, these reality shows, uh, humor being associated with mean-spirited behavior has kind of ratcheted up yes. this whole level of intensity that we almost have to get a thrill or a rush out of doing something dangerous either to ourselves or to others. And so we're combating a public health crisis in this country yeah. right now. And we're combating it and recognizing that we don't have the fiscal resources to put a police officer on every school campus. But right on our campuses are our children, and there are best security. What the challenge is is for schools and parents to get into a dialogue and understand that they have to invest in their own children and teach them the skills of compassion and peaceful negotiation of differences. And we've come up with a strategy that's working in hundreds and hundreds of schools, and I hope there are listeners tonight who get excited and see the hopeful possibilities yeah. of of the safe school ambassador model. Exactly. We need uh, this will of course train your children to be far better adults. Uh this is uh, you're listening to Mastering Ourselves with Charmé and Keith Amber, uh your spiritual lifestyle experts. We have today with us Rick Phillips and John Linney and they've written a book called Safe School Ambassadors. They also have a website that you're welcome to go check out and get information from. It's at uh, www.safeschoolambassadors.org org. So you know, students, of course, in the school, 90%, they're the core uh, power. But uh, how, how do you uh, join the valuable components of community, teachers, parents, churches, organizations, etc.? I believe that's all important to have a united front. So it's like the whole area begins to work in that same direction. How do you approach that? Well, one of the things we've developed um, in, in, we've been doing this now for nine years, so we've developed a body of knowledge. We're now conducting what we call safer school symposiums, which are events where we gather um, all of the key decision makers from all the groups you just said, Keith, yeah. from the medical community, the law enforcement community, the faith-based community, government community, the nonprofit community, and schools, all the sectors or stakeholders in kids' lives. And we facilitate a conversation that's really just an inch wide and a mile deep. And that's how can we work together as a community to wake up the courage and compassion of our children to take care of each other. Right. Because that's the best strategy for social change. That's the quickest leverage point for it. So really inviting the key stakeholders into a conversation so that it isn't, so that we start to develop, you know, real commitment to investing and allocating resources towards social change by investing in kids. What you're also doing is starting to get them out of the me, 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 and into, geez, it matters if I hurt somebody else's feelings. So it isn't just about my ego getting stroked that I get to put somebody else down, but we start caring about how our behavior affects other people. Well said. Absolutely true. So We have to give them opportunities to develop their empathy. That's right. Schools are under a lot of pressure to develop young people academically, but unfortunately what happens is the social and emotional development of young people often gets squeezed out or becomes an option only if we have time when 
we know that those things are complementary. Really, having a student feel connected to school and feel safe at school is connected to academic performance. And sure. if they don't feel safe and they don't feel connected, they're not going to do as well they're distracted. as they could. Exactly. Exactly. So uh, when you approach or when you're asked to come or when you approach communities or schools, uh, what kind of situations happen when they do not, when they reje- reject it or it fails? What, what causes that? Well, I think oftentimes with any model, what it's the, it's the sustainability and the commitment. What we learned is you can't change things overnight, and you have to provide a safety net and a support system around courageous kids. So we make sure that when we finish the training at the school, that the six or seven adults who went through the training with the 35 to 45 young people commit to meeting with those kids on an ongoing basis. You know, it's kind of a support group, Keith, right. uh, a way for those kids to feel that the adults really are interested in them, concerned about them, and are going to continue to coach them in acquiring these uh, mastery of these skills. When it stumbles, it's when it's when the adults fall down on their commitment we, to... we got to take a break, Rick.